Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Corin. And I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today is Dog Day. We want to talk to you about technique and how you, as a practitioner or owner or trainer, can help your canines feel, move, and be the best they can be. Uh, This becomes a a very great thing to have in your toolbox to be able to work with dogs because, and especially in our world, in the horse world, every horse owner comes with a dog. They all seem to have at least one dog and usually five dogs. So it's become very popular. And Wendy, uh, she wrote the first book. Her first book was the Canine Kinesiology Taping, an illustrated guide to improving canine mobility. And since then, she's actually done some modifications and she's actually improved that book in it. And it's available on the digital version. And she's getting ready to take it to the publisher and get uh, some more copies printed with the new information in it. But for those of you out there with dogs, pay attention. This is important stuff. So fascia. The more hair follicles you have, the easier it is to communicate with the receptors in the body, communicate with the brain, and see what's going on below the surface. And in the canine world, using the fascial tools that were originally developed for humans, we can demonstrate what's going on both where we see a problem and, as we say distally, or upstream, downstream, from where that problem seems to be manifesting. And by getting to understand how you can use tools in addition to your hands to help your dog move better is such a valuable addition, or as told, as Dave said, to add to your repertoire for making your animal be his or her best. And when we talk about using tools, I want to get a little bit technical with you, because in this skin, and in specifically in these hair follicles, you have receptors that send messages to the brain so quickly that they actually are faster than the speed of discomfort, nociception, or pain. So that you can interrupt a message that's causing them discomfort by giving them a better message. And those receptors are called interoceptors. And understanding that that exists within the skin of the dog means that you can have a technique that will make them feel better so that they can heal faster. And when we talk about fascia, the reason why it's so important, it's one of the largest systems in the body, and we've neglected it for years and years and years. In fact, it was stuff that surgeons used to cut through to get to the important stuff. Well, what they found out now is just every piece of tissue in your body, muscle tissue, organ tissue, is surrounded by fascia. In fact, they have found fascia all the way down to the nucleus of the cell. So here you are dealing with a system so vast that when you affect it from the outside, you can actually be talking to the DNA of that animal. Seems a little far-fetched, I know, but like I said, it's attached all the way to the nucleus of the cell. And there's a lot of mechanoreceptors in that tissue, a lot of nerve receptors, nerve endings that you communicate with to communicate to the brain. 
and you know, we've all tried using words to communicate to the brains of our dogs, and um, unless you have a border collie, uh, words aren't always interpreted. But our hands-on can be interpreted because it's speaking directly to the cell. So in order for us to interface with those interoceptors, the type of touch the type of use of a fascial tool would be what we call a feathering technique. Almost like you're dusting off the surface of the dog. And by feathering over an area where they perhaps flinched where you touch them, you can immediately change that message up to the brain and affect a more comfortable experience for that dog. And it's a very simple thing to do. It takes very light pressure. When she said feathering, feathering is not just that. It actually describes the pressure you use because, uh, and it's also the, the, how you move the tool, but it's very, very light, almost just barely touching, almost like using a comb on top of the tissue. And combs are actually a very good tool if you don't happen to have a professional fascial tool, ours come from rock tape and, and you know they fit in my pocket so I'm comfortable with them. But a, anything, we've had clients use a spoon, we've had clients use a curry, we had you know, uh, a comb for that technique. As long as you understand what you're doing is lightly and quickly interfacing with that area. So if you happen to be petting the dog and it flinches away and the skin isn't red and there's no cut and it's not bleeding, I mean, obviously, if there's damage, just take it to their vet. <laughs> Don't, do not pass go, do not do anything else, address the issue. And if it's something that you cannot see, if it's an area that has all of a sudden they were playing with their uh, their siblings or and you have dog versus dog and now they're flinchy, you can use this light touch feathering technique, relieve it, and then they don't have to compensate and create other problems. And yes, I go point by point by point in the book and demonstrate how to do it. Uh, you know, to the depth of the experience you want to have. Just know that if you're petting them lightly and quickly, you are affecting the interoceptors and making them feel better. If you do it for too long, it becomes an irritant. So shorter time is more therapeutic. It's like when you walk through a doorway and smack your elbow into the side of the doorframe. What do you do immediately? Your first response is to rub the skin over where you just bumped it. And that's affecting those interoceptors. And that's what you're doing when you apply the technique on an animal. So if you find an area that seems to be uncomfortable for that animal, then applying this technique first, even before you do anything else. Because as chiropractors, we adjust first. That's what we do. And when we started learning the fascial techniques, it added a tremendous amount of recovery for that animal. It lengthened the amount of time they needed between adjustments because it added that one extra piece because you don't know how long that tissue had been affected prior to you doing the adjustment. And 
we found that it just sped up the recovery of that area so well that it's a great thing to be able to use. And sometimes we have to do it first before we can even adjust because sometimes the animal is so tender that they, they won't let you do it. They tense up before you even try to adjust. So using this technique allows you to be able to get in there and do what you need to do to fix that area and get it more mobile. And always, no matter what we're trying to do, any animal, any dog, any cat, any horse, any human who's in pain is going to be resistant to improving, is going to compensate, is going to evade having their full extent of health. So therefore, what we're going to do is address the pain first, and then you can address the other areas that we can help with fascial techniques. And that consists of inflammation, tension, and lack of glide, lack of mobility, um, lack of awareness. So let's start with awareness. If you want to increase your agility dog or your competitive dog or your couch potato dog's area of awareness so that they can get in the car easier, so that they can get up better, so that they can be more fluid, more elegant in their motion, then the technique that we use affects the Piscinian and Merkel receptors. And we do that by doing a very rapid uh, approach towards interfacing with those uh, mechanoreceptors in the skin, and basically you're petting or grabbing or using your fascial tool and very quickly indenting that skin, but not so much so that you're causing them any discomfort. If you've ever had any skin rolling done on yourself personally, it's not to the extent where you are wanting to see a flinch reaction. It's just the ability to quickly move one area of skin in relation to another. And when you look at this you know, in, in the digital book or you look at this um, in a video, you can really see that you're just improving awareness. You're saying to those receptors, wake up, wake up. And by doing rapid motion, those receptors are really tuned into the faster you do it, the more awareness you increase. So just, just to clarify some things for, for some of the listeners out there, what type of symptom or what would you notice in a dog that's having problems with awareness? Are you asking me that? I'm asking you that. You're asking me that? I'm asking I you would, a question. I would Put you on the spot. The dog is going to get into the car and it hesitates, 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 sort of tries to uh, negotiate how much energy it has to use and can it make its hind end go. So there's a hesitation. I notice that they trip. I notice that uh, they bounce off of things rather than move through them. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can use the thought of a Labrador Retriever's tail. When it doesn't know where its tail is, that tail knocks every single thing off the furniture. Or they may do that intentionally, in which case there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, but there's so many ways. And what we look for when I say increasing awareness is that we look for a change. 
if they've always been able to jump on the bed and now they can't, if they've always been able to uh, reach uh, a certain, you know, jump over something and they've been able to have a longer reach and now they can't, they may have lost that awareness of where their body is in space. And if, if you're talking about a cat, if you have a cat that's been able to jump up on the countertop in between two books and now it's knocking all the books over, you know, that's a way you can notice that they've lost proprioception or that spatial awareness. Thank you. Because, yeah, one of the things I've noticed, too, is uh, that lack of awareness is a response a lot of times to an injury. And it's kind of like people. You go, well, how come, you, how come you're limping? And they go, I'm limping? They don't even recognize the fact that they are limping. And the same thing happens with animals because that part of your brain that controls that area kind of shuts down some of its neurological input and output from that area. And that's how you deals with injuries a lot of times. So what we're trying to do is one, bring awareness back to that area from the brain. So the brain will actually start doing something to help it. And that's why awareness taping and awareness, uh, uh, fascial technique is really important. In the in the extreme cases of lack of awareness, you're going to have animals that are knuckling and walking on the tops of their feet, and there's usually neurological damage associated with that. And not always. Sometimes by using these rapid uh, Pacini and Merkel focus techniques, you can actually restore awareness and see a difference in gait very, very quickly. In addition to that, one of the techniques that animals love the most, humans for sure love the most, are the long, deep fascial strokes that are geared towards the Ruffini receptors. And if you think about if you've ever had a Swedish massage where someone's just rubbing down your back in one direction, which reminds me, there is no directionality to working on fascia, so you can learn a lot by heading down with the hair, up against the grain of the hair, sideways from inside to outside and outside to inside, and notice which do they react to the most, because there is no grain when it comes to fascial work. You learn by touching in all different directions and noticing differences and noticing where they are comfortable, uncomfortable, move towards you, move away from you, growl at you, hopefully not draw blood from you. But every response from them is a learning response. And if you want to stimulate the relaxation receptors and do that stroking from the back of the head all the way down, if there's no pain, they will love it. If they move away from you and tell you that that's painful, then you shift back, use your interoceptor-related strokes, and you're able to then move on and create relaxation after you've reduced the discomfort. Yeah, the only, I have found directionality use only in the treatment aspect not so much in the examination. Because a lot of times you'll find that if you rub it this way, you don't get any response. But if you rub it the opposite way, all of a sudden there's a response. I think it depends on directionality, sometimes maybe of injury. Well, we know in scarring that when I work over a scar, 
I'll find that the fascia will glide in one direction and the fascia will not glide in the other because of the way that scar tissue chose to lay down the fibers and heal and not necessarily heal in a way that improved mobility. And then working the fascia to restore glide in both directions both improves comfort and improves that animal's ability to move. And I have some videos of doing that on a dog that had hundreds of stitches and when it healed you couldn't touch it. It was so incredibly sensitive and then finding the directionality that made it feel better and then using the final stroke of fashion work. Dogs are happy about that one. You always have some enthusiasm here at Equiline. The, um, by improving glide you are chopping, you're using a chopping motion, and that actually invites the body to produce more hyaluronic acid, or HA, and by increasing HA, you're improving glide, you're improving range of motion, and you're allowing that glide, that fluid of movement, to uh, respond and move better. There's so much to learn. This, this is why we do books and videos and courses because what I'm hoping to do today is get you excited about it, get you interested, get you calling us, asking us questions, emailing at info at equiline.com or visiting us at Equiline Canine on Instagram. We really want to interact with you and we want to know what more you want to learn. All of this is then followed by using kinesiology taping to enhance the experience to improve that awareness, to decrease that pain, and to reduce inflammation. There are techniques for all of these things that you can learn very easily. And, and just one comment about the tool, because this was something that almost went against my nature to use a tool when we first started using them, because I, I thought my hands feel more than any tool could ever feel. And then I realized after using the tool for a very short period of time that I felt things with that tool that I couldn't feel with my hands. So there is a lot of information that comes through that tool and into your hand and into your brain. So don't be afraid to use it and you'll find that it will give you more information than what you expect. So please take all of this information in, let your mind play with it, get curious, and we'll be here to answer and learn with you. So I'm Dr. Wendy Corin. And I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist. And this has been an Equiline Podcast.